Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session. My name is Jimmy Sabo and I'm here thanks to Sportsmate Mobile, TLA and the Footy Live app. Download the Footy Live app today for all your stats, scores, highlights, news, opinions, and of course, your podcasts. And uh, if you don't know how good the Footy Live app is, you're obviously not using it. I mean, you can look on Twitter and social media. People are screenshotting the layout, complimenting the way the stats are presented, abusing me for my opinions. It's great. I love it. Get on it now or after the podcast if you're not on it already because we've got a massive show coming up. I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because that's what I like to call today's special guest. It's Boomer Harvey. Uh, now, Boomer's played more games than the amount of sports bet multis I've gotten wrong, and uh, that's a little shout-out to our sponsors there. But Boomer's going to speak uh, to us a little bit about his famous career and tell us the secrets behind playing at a professional level for over 20 years, and I cannot wait. And I can't wait for Gordo and Nick, who are coming up to uh, talk to us on the Monday review panel on a Tuesday and wrap up the biggest talking points from a huge round of footy. And it was a huge round of footy, but uh, due to the Thursday night match, not everyone saw it. It's one less night game, which means there's overlapping fixtures on a Saturday, which meant hardly anyone witnessed the Suns' big win over the Swans. And it was almost like the 3-0 North game didn't exist, although those who actually watched it probably wished it didn't. No, I'll stop. That's enough. Everyone knows I'm joking. And if there's three things we're good at on this podcast, it's mucking around in good fun, having a good laugh with a guest, and not understanding good humour. So on that note, and before we get to the interview, here is the wonderful round recap of round six. The Dogs proved the perfect breed for cold Canberra footy as a cool beverage and his boys would jack up the pressure in a giant final term. McRae touched more leather than Fonzie and it was happy days for the Adams family with Trelaw of Attraction manifesting 25 possessions. Green looked ripe, but the cool weather would ensure the fruits of his labour wouldn't produce the taste of success. Who would have tipped the Bulldogs by 39 points? Easton would. On Anzac Eve afternoon, Adam Simpson sent his darling out to battle. He was destroyed within minutes as a second quarter gaff left the Eagles ashamed and barassed with reddened faces. Abuse was physical and verbal, while Jezza proved he can run. He can also kick three goals, two in the 97-point clawing from the Cats. It's a G long way back to Perth after that. Ranking the best player for Gold Coast was hard after that 40-point burning from the Suns. The Swans were in hot water right from the start, as it took Miller no time at all to make his presence felt. Ended up with 26 possessions while serving up delivery inside 50, fit for a king. One Ben kicked five, while the other slotted three to prove his Ainsworth. Sydney had plenty of the ball, but the Jew made it tricky. There were plenty of warning signs in the build-up, just a shame they couldn't Sam Reed. The Blues got off to a good first quarter pounder, while the two big Macs of Mackay and McGovern <laughs> looked to have beef. They did a nice drive-through on the scoreboard with nine goals between them, but all bets were off when the Lions got hungry. There were more injuries than flights from Brisbane and Melbourne, but luckily for Chris Fagan, he didn't lose his McCluggage. Hugh picked up 33 touches and helped his side to an 18-point win. It was remembrance round for more than one reason on Saturday night as Melbourne fans suddenly recalled the team they supported. Stands and social media were trending with mental demons while the cat-like Salem let his footy do the talking. The backline reminded us May is fast approaching and there were so many good players the announcer didn't even know who to give the medal to. Hey, leave her alone. The eventual winner happened to be someone who truly believed in demons and the funny thing was, he's a Christian. Simon's good win was by 34 points. A 50-point win for the Dockers was Sarong for North, who was surely still dirty on Monday. It wasn't really a five-star performance for Frio, who cracked a bonnet and the ruse wall of defence. The shin boners are winless and need a lift. They'll need more than a noble performance to beat the Ds next week. No such worries for the Dockers, though, who were happy just to chuck it on the tab and ah. He put down four goals from five shots, shots, shots. It's not that far to Tassie from Adelaide as the crow flies, and their quickest avenue to a 32-point lead happened to be right through the middle of the big sticks. Fifteen majors set the record straight, and planting a seedsman in the middle of the grass proved to be the keys of the first half. Clarko switched the Magnus at halftime, and his team started attracting the ball. The kicks went in deep, and by the end of the game, one thing was certain. Cozzy rules football. At least for the day, there's still time for Riley, who took flight on his crow's, crow's debut. Walks by three points. Magpies couldn't get the Anzac Bickies on Saturday as this game belonged to the Parish. Essendon won on merit while Collingwood fell on their side bottom. Those who picked Waller to kick a bag got their tipper right and there was heaps of run from the hind legs. The pies are burnt and maybe the buck stops here. Don's by 24 points. 
Finally, Wines is getting better with age while there are still grey skies ahead for the power. The Saints were spiritless and now it's a long rats race to make the finals after a 54-point thrashing. Ken Hinckley's men are primed at the moment and after bullying St Kilda the way they did, they'd probably hope they don't run into them again. They've got a long memory, but an even longer injury list, so maybe there'll be no problems for Houston and his teammates. That was round six, and that was horrific. Okay, today's guest is not only one of the finest players to ever wear the North Melbourne jumper, he holds a record for the most games played by an individual in VFL-AFL history with a lazy 432, winning five best and fairest, a premiership, four All-Australian call-ups and captaining the Roos and Australia for the International Rules Series. This man has more impressive records than most players have played matches. He's one of the most skillful, loyal, toughest and determined champions the footy world has ever seen and it's my great privilege to welcome Mr. Brent Boomer Harvey. Boomer, how are you, mate? I'm going okay. Thanks for the introduction. It always sounds, uh, makes me sound like a better footballer than I was, so I'm happy with that. No, mate, it's spot on. You were a champion. I've got to ask you, though, the first question. Everyone wants to know, mate, how much are you benching at the moment? Because you look in incredible shape. You look fitter than you were playing, mate. How are you going? Uh, let's, we can say that COVID was actually good for me because, unfortunately, I lost my uh, my job at the Kangaroos and I didn't do much for six months. The kids were homeschooling, so... I built myself a home gym and um, yeah. and I did a lot of running. So I started doing some, some half marathon stuff, um, turned out a couple of them and, uh, and spent a fair bit of my time in the gym. So that's probably the reason why I look good. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I feel actually feeling, I feel really good. Obviously, we had a year off football as well at local yeah. football where I'm still playing it. No knocks obviously helps, so uh, the body's feeling great at the minute. Yeah, brilliant. And you mentioned local footy. You kicked a lazy five on the weekend, but your brother kicked his thousandth goal for North Heidelberg on Saturday. What an achievement, mate. How good was that to be a part of? Yeah, it was actually really, really good. I was trying to kick the ball to him a fair bit to try to get it to him, but um, yeah. unfortunately I had numbers back a fair bit. Uh, he ended up getting it, I think, in the third quarter. He needed five to, to kick his thousandth. And, uh, it's a great achievement, the first player in, in the Northern Football League mm-hmm. to, to do that. Um, the thing is, when you think of somebody to do that, you think of a you know you picture like a Tony Lockett type of guy yep. stay at home forward. Shane spent his first two years up on the wing, so it's an mm-hmm. amazing achievement. I think this is his twelfth year coming up, so it averages out to about eighty-five goals a year, which is a, an enormous effort for for a guy that's only you know one. I think he's been one hundred and seventy nine hundred eighty centimeters. So yep. um, it's a, yeah, it's great and it was, to be there and see the crowd run on. My kids ran on. Uh, his kids ran on. So my nephews. And, it was just really good to be part of it. Was, uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, awesome. So other than local footy, mate, what have you been up to? You've been back at the club a couple couple times a week now. Can you tell us about that quickly? Yeah, so so I work at North Melbourne. I'm match day runner, obviously. Yeah. Um, and during the week, I do a couple of days' work with just with the young guys, mainly the first and second year, is just being a bit of a mentor and a sounding block for them. I'm sorry, sounding board for them. Um, yeah. Get in the gym, do some work with them, show them how to work and prepare as an AFL footballer, because you remember these kids coming in fifth at 18 years old and have been thrust into a, an environment where you've got to be super professional. Some people don't know how to do that. Mm. That's my role, just to keep them up and about and um, and how to learn and and quickly become an AFL footballer with all the professionalism and the um, and the stuff that goes on with, with being a footballer. Yeah. Hey, life at the club, obviously, now it's a lot different than when you started your career. I think you are completing year 12 in your first year. You trained for three three days a week, started at four, went to school nine to three, one meeting a week. I know you said before that you don't think the record will be broken because of how demanding life is as a footballer at the moment and now these days mentally and physically. But I reckon it's due to not a lot of people having the same level of competitive fights and attitude that you had and your actual love of training. Do you think that was part of the secret to playing over 20 years at the top level? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it was. I'm a competitor. Um, I grew up, you know, my dad was a super competitor and still is. And um, my genes just made me a competitor and I want to improve every single training session. So I actually enjoyed the, the aspect of going to training every day and challenging myself and trying to improve, whether that was in the gym or on the training track or there was just some leadership stuff. Um, I always enjoyed the improvement part of football. Um, but like you said, I did, um, I did start in a different, different environment where I was completing year 12 and um, just three days a week I was training with maybe an extra boxing session or something like that. And now it's the, the psychology part of football or the mental part of football is so different and I think that's why people are not playing for as long. But uh, I guess it's a combination of both, both of those things. My competitiveness has certainly 
thing that drove me to try to win another premiership and, and keep a high standard at, 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 the, at the best level. Mm-hmm. Well, you play your first game in round 22-96 against the Tigers. The team wins the flag that season, but you missed out, obviously, on the senior grand final. But you, run, you won the reserve grand final that same day. 97, you're part of the best 22. You make the prelim. 98, you're the best team in the comp. Unfortunately, they don't kick straight in the granny. 99, you finally win that senior premiership with North and the team gets that reward for the dominant. What did it feel like to be part of that premiership firstly, but also that era of North Melbourne champions? Yeah, and after 99, we went on and played in a couple of more prelims as well. So we had a 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, mm. 2002. I think we had seven really, really good years there. Unfortunately, we only won, we won two flags, but I was part of one of them. And what I say, unfortunately, it was because I was 21 and I was so naive about winning the premiership I thought that I would win a couple of more premierships along the way um, and that's why I say unfortunate but the fortunate part is that I, I am a premiership player and it's something I'd hang my hat on and absolutely adore to say I'm a premiership player but um, I honestly thought I'd win four or five of them but as it works out it doesn't, it doesn't work like that and that's probably why I played for so long because I, I achieved so much success so early that when I became good mates with your Drew Petries and Daniel Harris's and Lindsay Thomas Daniel Wells these type of guys I wanted to share that experience and that feeling of winning a premiership with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, it didn't happen again. But um, it was great to go to a football club at a great stage. Um, like you said, I played one game in, two, uh, in 1996 in round 22. And um, I didn't think I was going to be a premiership player then. I was only about 68 kilos. So <laughs> I, was, um, I was very slight, very light. Dennis wasn't too keen on playing me. But... Um, I was lucky enough to win a premiership in the reserves that year as well. So we had a big year in 96. And then, as you mentioned, uh, 99 was a great year for us. Yeah. That last quarter in 99, I think you run through the MCG and you tap Adam Simpson on the backside. You give him a fist pump. What, what's going through your head then? Well, there's not... I'm tipping there's not going to be too many games. You know, it comes along every now and then. But halfway through the last quarter, when you're 35, 36 points up, yeah. there's, there's 10 minutes to go. Um, you know... There's actually a feeling, there's, I think it must have been after we kicked the goal to put a six goals up with 10 minutes to go that I knew that we weren't going to lose. And you know, I'm sure the coaches didn't think that. I still listened to Dennis Pagan all the way up until the last minute. You six goals up, you think you can still lose. But as a player, I just knew that we had that game under control. And I, I remember running back, to, and it, it's really vivid in my mind, like I'm running back to the centre square and just tapping Simo on the backside and saying, mate, we're going to win the premiership. Mm-hmm. And he had already won 1996, but I wasn't part of that. So this was the biggest moment of my life, or my sporting life anyway. Um, and it was just that feeling of just going, wow. And fortunately for me, I, I could really sit back and enjoy that last seven, eight, nine minutes of a grand final. I can only imagine what it's like if it's so close and you've got to fight tooth and nail to the very last second. Um, fortunately, for the Kangas in 99, it wasn't like that. And uh, I knew I was going to win with about seven or eight minutes to go. And it was a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it obviously changed your career due to the premiership, but I think also winning that EJ Witten medal uh, for your performance for Victoria, was that when the whole footy world kind of started to notice just how good you were and things started to change for you? Yeah, I think you're right. 99 was a really big year. You know, I turned 21. I, I played for Victoria. I was lucky enough to win the EJ Witten medal, played for the premiership. So it was probably after that game where the opposition started putting their, their most dangerous or their best, their best small defender mm. probably on me because they, they thought, well, you know, if you can kick four or five goals, you can become a match winner in most games as a small forward. So I started getting a little bit more attention um, and getting the best defender on me. So it was from that game where I think other coaches sort of realised that I was actually capable. But I don't think I played too many really good games before that where I kicked bags of goals. So that was probably the first time that I, I kicked a good bag and, um, and people probably started realising that, that I was capable of, of kicking that those type of goals in, in games. Mm. And after that, you, you started to get tagged with basically the rest of your career. But I think the most memorable was uh, Ryan Crowley. Uh, did you ever forgive him post-footy for uh, giving you a couple pinches? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, all that stuff. In, uh, it's history now. It's, we actually caught up. We played in the AJ Wick game a couple of years ago together. Yeah. And uh, he actually did radio on the same station I was in. And he was obviously over from Perth where he's living. And um, we are going to the exact same hotel. And I walked out the front, he was there, and I, I said, what are you doing? He said, he's catching an Uber. I said, jump in, mate, I'll give you a lift. Uh, fair to say, it was a little bit um, weird at the start, but, you know, once you start speaking to these guys and get to know them, they're exactly... He's a, you know what, he's got. he's a massive competitor. Yeah. And I, um, 
I respect that. I respect that he did what he had to do out there at the time. Did I like it? No, absolutely not. But um, I'm a competitor, and and at the end of it, you know, if I walk past him now, I'll, I'll walk up, shake his hand, say today, and I'd like to think that he'll do exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. That's what I do love about you, Boomer. You are a competitor, and you are very, very driven. And I feel like you, you like proving people wrong a little bit. And I, I think a clear example is 2010. I think your, your nan passed away around that time. You had a career low five possessions against St Kilda. People were writing you off saying you're finished. But can you tell us what happened the next week? Well, I need to cut you off for one second because yeah. you know a lot of information. Have you read my book, haven't you? <laughs> I've read your book, mate. I've read your book. Listen to all your interviews, mate. I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, the, uh, you've done very, very well. Very, very uh, well-researched interviews. <laughs> um, yeah, my dad did pass away leading into the season. I think we played Port Adelaide yeah. first, and she passed away during that week, and it was such a, a, such a big week. Um, Brad gave me the option whether I wanted to play because it was over in Adelaide. But I actually just... So yeah, you know, I actually really want to play. I think football is my, my my release from everything. Mm-hmm. If things are not going well at home or at work or whatever it is, football is my release. So no, I, I said, yeah, I'll play. And I think I did quite well. There. I think I might have kicked two or three goals and had twenty odd touches. And, um, it was a bit of release, but then the following week was my, my name's funeral, yeah. and it was such a draining and emotional week. I got to the St Kilda game and I got tagged really, really heavily by Clint, um, by Jones. But it was the whole St Kilda team, and I ended up with four or five touches, and it was the first time, pretty much ever. I just didn't really feel like I wanted to be out in the on the football field. Mm-hmm. Um, finished that game, and it was just a big blur to me. Um, and, but then, of course, after that, as you mentioned, the competitiveness probably kicked in, and those yeah. juices started flowing. And I wanted to prove people wrong because I was thirty three or thirty four at the time, and I think people started writing me off saying, "You know, he's coming towards the end now." And, uh, the following week turned out pretty well. I had a fair bit of the ball. The tankers won, and uh, nature feel makes me feel a little bit better that you can back it up and prove people wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, and just, just I know you, you've got to go soon, but I wanted to ask how it um, at the end of your career to look back and hold uh, the games the games record. Um, how important is that for you? Oh, I, there's two parts to that. I think that the record for me is fantastic, and you get recognised. People say you know in all your interviews, the games record holder, and it's sort of it's kicked in a little bit more now than it did one or two years after I retired. But being able to share that moment with so many people that helped me along the way, not only family, but friends who have been there since day dot, um, my partner, um, my children were there. And to, to share that with them, that was absolutely huge. And the other big part for me is whenever you see it written, it says 432 Brent Harvey, but right next to that, in brackets, it says North Melbourne Football Club. Mm. Um, it doesn't say North Melbourne slash Hawthorne slash Carlton slash Essendon. It says North Melbourne, and that's something I'm really proud of. Because I had opportunities to to leave throughout my career for a lot more money, but um, I wanted to be a one club player, and, mm-hmm. and that's probably something that sits really, really well with me. That it says North Melbourne right next to my name. So um, to be able to share it with everybody that helped me along the way, and even the guys I played junior football with, I'm still good mates with. Uh, to have them at the game and, um, and and to do all that sort of stuff and have people watch and hopefully add a bit of enjoyment out of the day as well. But it's really, really well with me. Yeah, 100%, mate. And it's so great that you are a one-club player and how loyal you are. Was was When Dennis Pagan went to Carlton, was that the closest you ever got to, you know, half considering a move? We'll be back after a quick break. <laughs> I don't think I ever half considered the offer was bloody ridiculous to be yeah. um, to be truthful to you. It would have yeah. put me in the best or not the best place, but the, the top two or three players paid in the competition. Yeah. Um, and I had a great relationship with Dennis. Absolutely loved mm. him as a coach, loved him as a person. Um, and you do you did I did think about it. Like at the very start it was like, Well, 
you know, what this is life changing now. This is huge. Um, so you do think about it for a little bit, but when you're still five minutes on your own and you're driving home from training, um, that one club, loyalty, uh, they gave me the opportunity. There's so many different things that went through my head. So I don't think I ever got to half considering it. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about it, but I never really considered the, the offer as a, as a move. So um, North Melbourne always going to be my, uh, my club that I want to stay at. Yeah, brilliant. Well, Boom, I think we're right on the 15 minutes. I know you got to run. Well, what I do with my guests usually at the end, I ask 10 quick questions. So I can I ask you 10 quick ones and you say the first thing that pops into your head? Go for it. All right, brilliant. All right, mate, what's your favourite food? Pasta. Favourite movie? Happy Gilmore. Best teammate you've ever had? Lindy Thomas. What team did you love playing against? Richmond. Your biggest fear? My biggest fear, sharks. Sharks. You've yep. ad- yeah, you've admitted you've got some uh, obsessive compulsive tendencies. What's the weirdest habit you have? Is it that light light switch thing you do? Uh, yes, I've sort of grown out of it. Okay. I'm very neat in my, in my wardrobe and everything. I've sort of grown out of that a little bit, but um, that was one that was really weird growing up. <laughs> if you could recruit one player from any other side to North Melbourne right now, who would it be? Uh, five. Your favourite quote? Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift, that's why it's called the present. Love it. What makes you angry? Um, what makes me angry? Losing. Losing, good. This is the last one, okay? Will you ever be a senior coach at AFL level? Um, I don't think so. Don't think so. Oh, I hope you do, mate. That competitive edge, the team's needed. It does, it does. I love that. Uh, Boomer, you're an absolute champion, mate. That was brilliant. I honestly can't thank you enough for coming on. I know you're a busy man, but you're a hero, hero to so many people, including myself. So to hear you chat about footy in your career is a great thrill. So. Nah, no worries, mate. Well done. Great interview. Well done, All right, here we go, boys. Time for my second favourite part of the show. I can't wait. It's a Monday review panel on a Tuesday. It's Nick and Gordo, and uh, I'm excited, boys. How are you? Me too. There's nothing like getting up and about Lift on a, a Tuesday. Gusto. I just went I'm down just because I was looking at you. Like you look tired. nothing like getting up and about. On a Tuesday. You look tired. Good. No, you're I'm not good. tired. You're up I'm in a about. shirt, mate. He's in a I'm shirt. happy to he's be up, here. He's up and about on a Tuesday. He's, he's got, got a job interview. Go. That's the real he thing. He does here. look to He looks like he's going to get a job somewhere else. Job. Maybe a date later on. Oh. oh. Not a job interview. Does Hannah know? <laughs> well, right, Nico, you're my hero for that. But who was your hero of the weekend? I was going to say you were going to be my date. <laughs> no, but no chance. Go. Uh, my hero for the round, I've gone for another Gold Coast player. I, Again. Went, I went for Jack Lacocious last week. In a loss, and now they've Gave won. Gave him the spotlight. Yeah. This week, I'm going for one of the more underrated players in the competition, and you did mention him in your wonderful round recap. Took Miller. Oh, Took Miller. Mate. Took you just seconds to mention him. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and he, he doesn't get talked uh, talked about enough, especially this season when yeah. he's averaging he career best numbers. Lot, yeah, yeah, I know, I know he does. Uh, you do. You're a fan of him, but I he's still one of the forgotten men of the AFL. Um, probably because of the team he plays for yeah. and his role, but um, he's proving to be one of uh, one of Gold Coast key key clogs in the engine room this season and again he was sublime on the weekend against the Swans he put up 36 touches Uh, he's second uh, most of his career Uh, 17 of them were contested he had 9 tackles 9 clearances and also a couple of weeks ago he had 13 tackles against the Blues elite Um, he's a real old fashioned blue collar midfielder which I love workhorse and yeah like I said he's putting up career best numbers his disposals are up 7 from last year so so are his tackles, clearances, marks. I mean, Ben King would have t- taken the plaudits for their win against the Swans, but really that game was one in the midfield. And it was. Yeah, Took Miller was, yeah, he was right at the heart it of it. It was that energy that they brought, like you yep. said. And also, listening to Stuart Yu after the game, he said that win started at halftime against the Dogs the week before. So they, they mm. did improve after halftime, but that reaction we saw, it was good. It's always nice to see a nice hot red reaction to a sunburn. Gordo, you're a consistent performer as well. 
Um, who's your hero of the weekend? Well, we've been crying out for honesty amongst coaches. You know, yeah. the you two in particular hate it when coaches pander over hate losses. It. You don't hate like vanilla oh. responses. No. You don't want vanilla responses. You want hard responses, earnest responses to yeah. the fans, to the members. They're the, that's who the game is about, apparently. And so, it is. congratulations it is. to Adam Simpson. Hooray for honesty. That's he it. came out and he called his own players weak. He did. He basically came out at a press conference and said, if he sees it again, I'm going to throw up. That's I mean, right. He did so it to there was Wallace. Nothing else he could have said, really. It you can't perfect. defend that well, performance. Yeah, no, 100%. It was good. That was good to see, see him um, spray it a little bit. And he, and he actually had an interview, I think it was last night, it was on 3RW, and they asked him about those comments, and he said, no, well, that's what I felt at the time, so that I don't take them back, and nor should he. So, so we're also good. big fans of the Amazon uh, documentary yep. Making Their Mark, and so yep. in that documentary last year, he said, I don't care what happens mm. to us boys. I'll always protect you. I'll always back you in the media. Yeah, that and then is this week it came out and called him weak. So <laughs> that just shows right out the window. <laughs> that just shows. No, but it's good. That yeah. is honestly, no, he had to. He had, he had to. to. It was weak. It was disgusting. It was putrid. And they've had a had they've had a problem about that, haven't they, Gordo? That yeah. they've come. They can't travel, and yeah. they they gave up that lead against uh, against St Kilda, against the Bulldogs. They gave up a lead. They go and lose against Geelong. Um, when they go, when they travel, they just can't win. But what can and we put that down to? Like, well, there's a professional a, athlete. No, it can't be. I think it's a mental thing. It has, it has to be to mental be, because I mean, it, they, but what, the like, work. What like about you, it? Like, you, can, it? you can have any game plan you want, but at the end of the day, it just comes to effort. And for some reason, their effort just disappears well, got a when, problem when they're on the road. Head when it gets hard, isn't it? And I don't know how. You know, I think effort and confidence is contagious. But we saw it when they were in the hub last year. Mm. At the start, when they were out of their comfort zone, not at home, they performed poorly. They went back to Perth. They performed well. That's why they're, they're always up and about because every second week they get to play in Perth. But it has to be a mental. But do thing. you reckon? Do you sorry to drag this on a bit more? But um, no, when, you, when they're playing at when they're playing at home, you're in front of uh, they're they're in front of ninety percent of West Coast fans. So when yeah. they travel away, they're in front of ninety percent of the the away fans. But that doesn't happen for Victorian clubs because you know if you played the MCG against mm. another Victorian side, it's fifty fifty or sixty forty. Yeah. So you know you're used to having your backs against the wall when um, the crowd's against you. But maybe the Eagles just aren't used to that atmosphere. So, in other words, flat track bullies is what you like <laughs> to call them usually. You've been calling them this for years, Nico. Well, they, they've had this problem for years, haven't they? They have. Well, they, Besides they from, well, you know, obviously winning the premiership in 2018, they were able to overcome it. Yeah. But they're straight back to what they were uh, mm. just prior to that. Yeah, Nico, what was your highlight of the weekend? My highlight was, well, is the rise of the key forwards. Uh, we've already <laughs> seen players this year like Tex, like yep. Josh Bruce, Harry Mackay, Buddy. They've all kicked bags this season, which is mm. great. It's a great feature for our game. But to also see the new guys like Ben King, mm. Jacob Kaczynski, Riley <laughs> Thilthorpe on debut, yeah, kicking right. bags of five, it really makes the game more enjoyable to watch. Like, yep. Otherwise, who else would want to watch Hawthorne versus Adelaide in Tassie? Yeah, well, not you many. Know, Two putrid teams. No, it was a high score. It was a good game. They it kicked was so straight, It didn't was they? a good game because there was goals involved. Yeah. So footy is on the right track. It is on the right track. Hey, um, Phil Thorpe. Uh, yep. He gave Scrimshaw an absolute bath, didn't he? I mean, Scrimshaw is not your <laughs> everyday. He's, he's not is a he? lockdown defender. He's a. It's like playing Batcher Hooley on. But how good Taylor was it Walker, to see you know? a debutant come? His first two kicks actually, Gordo, were straight mm. to the opposition, and I thought, oh no, what a debut! Poor kid, he's going to have his head down. He's not going to get involved in the game, well. and then bang, got back in it. Heaps of confidence. They kicked what, 15 straight goals. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, he's, he's but not the as you can see on our app, sorry, you can yeah. see on our app when you when you go to the stats, you see where those shots were from. They were deep entries. And yep. when you had, unfortunately for you, Frosty and Hardigan were having absolute stinkers. They were taking contested yeah. marks close to goal. Yeah. And I mean, we were undermanned and they exploited that. Yeah. Um, they played with like four key position players, Fogarty, Tex, um, Himmelberg, and then obviously Phil Thorpe. So, yeah. Yeah, the and then Clarko switched some things up at half time, and, and they got the win, which That's I got the tip, which I was really happy with. Back there. Gordo, what was your highlight of the weekend? Um, again, key forward, but my highlight's Jeremy Cameron, and it's because oh. we love clubs that have culture, and yeah. for a player to come out and acknowledge that, and so it kind of legitimizes the whole "let's go play for a big, a big club" move. So, like Trelaw mm. came down and played for Collingwood, he decided that he wanted to play in front of big crowds. Yeah. Tom Lynch came down and said that as well. Big crowds, not premierships. They're not hunt, like they obviously want to win a premiership. Yeah, yeah. But these players, Jeremy Cameron could have won one with the Giants. They, they got yeah. to a grand final and he left that situation and went, no, I want to play where football means something. And then he That's said right. in his post-match interview that 
You know, I love being down here at the Cadbury. This is the first time ever I've had <laughs> goosebumps. It's such a slap in the face, the no, giant. No, it's not. But you know what? This is but the it's, club that gave you a platform. Nico. But it's, it, it tells you, it it tells you that players want to play for the right reasons, to I use that, to that, that cliche. It sounds yeah, like right, you've been reading my work because I was on this for years, wasn't I, Gordo, yeah. where I said it's something different but when you, the fans are know. invested and there's history and culture in that club. And he felt something different in that environment. In a home and away game, he felt something different than a grand final. Mm. How big is that? That it means so much to so many more people, not uh, just your family and friends just, who are important, yeah, I know, mm. but, you, but the you massive had a good community. culture with the players you used to play yeah, with, and but his it's old different. And are you inside I mean, his head? But it's just nice to say that it's just like an absolute professional, yeah. like getting paid yeah. way too much money to kick a footy in reality yeah. terms. It goes I actually, yeah. I love this feeling that this tiny little, not tiny town, but this small city in Victoria can I make know, me feel like I this. I, I don't mind him saying that about Geelong, um, but just. Comparing it back to the Giants. Well, I he didn't compare it back to the, He said what he was feeling at the time, which is, I've never felt uh, this, goose, this feeling. Goosebumps, or he used uh, the word. His uh, hair stuck on the back yeah, of his neck. Yeah, and he yes. never felt that emotion before. That's the truth. He never <laughs> Even did. though he's played in a grand final. Exactly. Which, did, yeah. which but he's telling the truth. In the face of the oh, Nico, you're a harsh man. What was your low light? Well, here we go. My light, low light. <laughs> the fact All that the Hawks only won really. by three points. Yeah. <laughs> All season has been waiting till the day before or yeah. a few hours before yes. no, for the this. final teams to come out. They must bring back Thursday night teams. There is absolutely no reason why they shouldn't. For example, like the Hawks played at 12.30 on Sunday and I had to mm. wait till 6pm on Saturday night for the teams to come out. And, I mean, Box Hill was playing earlier that day and I, I saw players like Connor Nash who played last week playing for Box Hill. So I'm like, oh, well, Connor Nash yeah, he's, is he's obviously going to be out. Yeah. So they know what the teams are going to be, the coaches. They should release them So they just tell night. the fans. But not know? only that, I think, that, yeah, no, 100%. Nico, you're, you're on the money, but isn't the footy is for the fans, okay? And tipping is a big part of that, isn't okay, it? Okay, no, but is footy for the fans or is footy for the punters? Because now we're getting into this dangerous territory no, where we need the, I'm to... I'm not a punter. Well, I'm I know. A I'm but, not a punter. But everyone's but going like, oh, my super coach, oh, no, but, but, okay, my tipping, see, whatever. even tipping without putting money on it, yeah. I'm just saying. that's yeah. a, it's, a, it's something that's been done for a long time. It's, you know, not was you want to have an emotional investment in the game, intellectual investment in the game. But how often it got to a stage where it wouldn't matter because clubs would say, here's the team for Thursday. No, no. A whack on six emergencies no, for the but Sunday's see, the game. Collingwood, the Collingwood Sydney game. Yeah, but there they were get a lot released of cha- on the Friday. A day there were a later. lot of changes that we didn't know about. Yeah, and I would have. Cha- yeah. You know what? I'll, I'm saying it now. I might yeah. have changed my tip. I yeah. probably wouldn't have. I don't like changing my tip. But we could have changed our tips, couldn't we? But also, why don't we just? Why don't we just adapt? Everyone else has adapted. Like nah, the teams have adapted. Wait, it's nah. too long to wait. Nah. Like it just drags Thursday on. Night. And by Saturday night, I don't even care anymore because I've already seen half the team for nah, the reserves. Yeah, yeah, well, and they, there was a whole TV show on Fox Footy about the, the teams, Thursday yeah. night teams. But you two are both Thursday night. Are both football fans in the sense of like European football. Teams don't get announced until an hour before kickoff. No, yeah, but, but there's, there's squads also, that's going. Anyway, the, it's always it's a mo- squad of yeah, I know, but yeah. it's mostly always the same team in football. It's a different sport. This, I'm just saying that there are other leagues changes. that are very used yeah. to getting teams know, at the last I minute. Stuff the other leagues. We're, know, we're unique, Gordo. We, we can't have that. it both ways. We can't this have ultra professional, ultra professional sporting people and then acting like amateurs. Exactly, because it used to be amateurs. Thursday night. Release the teams. But it's, but it's, it's not amateurish because so they, they know what the teams are. The coaches know what they are on Thursday. So just tell, just release it. Yeah. Let us know. Gordo, your low lights. Uh, my low light is the Collingwood hysteria. And oh, so cool. everyone loves kicking the big big dogs when they're down. And you know what? It's fun to pick on Collingwood. I'll agree with that. It's fun. <laughs> it's funny. Everyone loves it. I reckon they even like it themselves a little bit. They're, yeah. they're always the first cop on callback. But no one should be surprised about where Collingwood's sitting. You can be surprised at one and five. Uh, like that is that is somewhat surprising. But none of us had him, or did anyone else have him in the eight? I had them eight at the start I of the season. Them. I didn't have them second last. But no, no one had them second last. But no one had them contesting in finals. They're on the way down. They were due for a rebuild, and now it's this, happening. Okay, and now we're there. Fair enough. But and this, now we're there. This, this is not a rebuild, though. This is there is a difference between rebuild and transition. They played. They this played six. They played six people Gordo, under twenty-five games Gordo. on the weekend in an Anzac Day a, game. Don't get it mixed up. A rebuild don't get is it when, twisted. when they when they completely uh, redo the okay. list. And you don't have maybe to rebuild. The coach the culture. You barrack for the team that never rebuilds, and you guys are going to be okay. I mean, this is we're we're more of a rebuild than Collingwood. But I'm talking North Melbourne is a rebuild. Adelaide's a yeah, rebuild. And they Essendon's both- a rebuild. But there is like at least ten. At, at, at more than B plus grade players on that Collingwood list: Brody Grundy, Darcy Moore, Pendlebury. Tra- uh, I was going to say Trelaw, Darcy Moore, 
um, Taylor Adams, you Jeremy Howe. Jeremy Howe. I, like, they are star quality players and they're losing to a team on the rebuild. Yeah, they've got a they, lot. They, yeah. they deserve the criticism. They have a lot of injuries. The thing was is because they try to sell this as they were building for the future. So Essendon is an example that lost depth through, you know, Saad, Danaher, Fantasia and got draft picks for them. That's a, that's a rebuild to go bring in quality youth. They've lost their quality for nothing. And they've brought in now, Buckley's decided now to bring in these youngsters. Yeah, which I agree because with. Because he's forced through injury. There's and a difference like between Collingwood's not rebuilding and Collingwood didn't rebuild well. They got rid of high-profile players. For, they made heaps they, of mistakes. They were forced they made, to get rid of them. It's not a rebuild. Should, it's a transition. Is, they're, they're going down a bit to you know recharge yeah. the batteries and go back up. It's not a complete rebuild. Well, we're not... I don't think the media... And fans are, when it comes to Collingwood, responsible enough to let them rebuild. Basically, if they if they properly bottom out this year, if they finish second last or last, somehow they lose to North Melbourne and they finish on one win and North finishes on two, the footy world will explode if yeah. if, if, if Collingwood bottoms out. I know what you mean, but I disagree because they because they can control the messages by coming out and being honest. They've never honest. But there is no way the Bucks can come out at the start yes, of the he year. Could've. He, he could've, could've, could not. He could not put his hand up and say, oh, yep, we lost Trelaw and we're going for a rebuild. They, no, then what they could the have world done, explodes. What they could have done was come out and say, we we had problems with the salary cap. We made mistakes. We're going to start from fresh now. Yeah. We don't have the list to take us. They're promising the fans that they've got the list to be competitive. That's what they've been promising this whole time. Regardless of, of injuries, their, their disposal on the weekend was putrid. Okay, but... The intent was there, everything like that. Fair enough. Maybe they don't have the list. Is some people are saying. I don't think the list is that bad. It's Their not, list is I not worse than the list. I it? just name the players. That's no excuse. The way they're playing. T- hmm. There's no excuse. There's a few injuries, but it's still overall a decent list. Yeah, we can know? talk a little. Would bit you rather bang for Collingwood, St Kilda, or Carlton on the weekend? <sighs> on the weekend. Yeah. Oh, well, based off their uh, recent performances. So we've been going about Carlton and Collingwood. Sorry, we're going at Carlton and St. Kitt about effort. I'd probably no. rather. And we were going at Collingwood about execution. So would you rather barrack for a team who's meant to be better and they're trying hard but it's not working? Yes. Or would you rather barrack for a team that's not trying at all visually, not running both ways, and they have some, they have some patches of play that look a bit prettier? I'd rather watch netball than barrack for one of those teams. Um, but no, if I had to choose... Which you do for the hypothetical, <laughs> Uh So what, Carlton, St Kilda or Collingwood? Based on the weekends or the most recent performances? Uh, St Kilda, I think they've got more um, potential. Oh. The team that got absolutely towed up by 70-plus yeah. points. Than them because I'd say Collingwood. Few- I'd say Collingwood is still in the better spot out of those three teams. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd, Col- I'd rather I'd be say St because position. of the players that are going to come back and the potential that they have. St Kilda's got all to, sorts of problems. Well, they've, they've got mental problems, that's all it is. No, they've, got, they've, got, injury they've got, problems. got game plan problems, they've got... Player confidence problems. Yeah, They've the, got the some mental, the mental side issues. of it is. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss it later on. I think it's on the agenda. Will. I've got four fast questions for you boys before yeah. we get to the tweets and emails. The first one is: Should Toby Green be the Giants' full-time captain? Mm, am I starting? No, probably not. I think uh, Cornelio hasn't been given much of a chance. He's only been captain for a year and a bit, and mm. that included one of the toughest seasons in history. So. He needs to be given more of a chance, and it's similar to what happened with Cochin earlier on in his captaincy days. He was copying a lot of criticism, and sometimes it just takes a player, particularly the younger captains, to grow into the role. So give him a chance. I think you've got to work out who's, who's he captaining for. Is he captaining for the, for the players or is he captaining for the club? And I feel like the Giants this year need a captain for the players, so just ask the players. Yeah, well, oh, if, this, you, if you ask Toby Green, he would probably say... No, but yeah. ask the players who they want. As in, like, yeah, was was Cogs voted in as captain as most most sure clubs vote them in? Then you say, cool, Cogs Cogs are captain. You ask the players again, are you still happy with Cogs being your captain? Then this is one where the media doesn't know. The media loves to pretend. We love to pretend to know what's going on I mean, inside the club. They do this at the end of every season. It's not like it's a contract where yeah. they say, oh, you're allowed you to vote for the leadership. Yes, hundred percent. But, yeah, 100%. but um, if you're thing. starting fresh now, looking at just from the outside, from what we know, you'd pick. Toby Green as your captain, I think, if you're starting fresh from now. If you can look at his past four games and three of them he was captain, five goals, two from 17 disposals, 5-1 from 18, 1-7, he could have kicked eight from 18, 4-1 from 19 disposals. But it's not just that, it's his maturity. But that's like he's saying, not getting sucked in. That's saying that like Dusty should be captain of Richmond because he's their no, best No, 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 but it's not, it's yeah, not right, saying, right. it's the on-field, like you could see his maturity and he's leading by example. In the times when his team was in trouble, he nearly pulled them over the line against, I know but Again, that's not, yeah, that's not what a captain does. Like well. You look at all the, compare. some of the, Best captains we've had in in Premiership Dynasty sides, they haven't been the best player. 
Like arguably, yeah. probably the only one that's been their best player would be Luke Hodge in the Hawthorne dynasty. All the rest, yeah. the captain yeah, was a was a role Cotchen. player. Cotchen yeah, wasn't no, always fair enough. But I've just he's been given the role of captaincy and he's stepped up even further up. Yeah, when he's had that role. But I, I think, think Cogs is a, is a good player, but he's a good player without the added responsibility of having to worry about other people rather than himself. Like he, it's taken. Some people aren't built for it. But I mean, no, captain. we had this debate with Nick Max. He, he's still the off-field captain, yeah. so yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. doing all the off-field duties. So yeah. I, I still think it's hard to hard to judge. Like if you gave that responsibility to Green, how do you know he won't be affected the same? Yep, it's fair all enough. hypothetical. Hey, were the Anzac uh, clash jumpers embarrassing? Gordo, you can go first. Were they embarrassing? I don't know. There's, there's a lot of sports where colours are pretty you similar. Don't know. Get off the fence. <laughs> no, it's like no, yes they're no. not embarrassing. They're not embarrassing. Not embarrassing. I don't think okay. embarrassing is the right word. Certainly it wasn't one of the brightest moments whoever organised it, but at the same time I think, I mean, one team's wearing white shorts, one team's wearing black, so it should be easy enough to distinguish. It's been mm. like that they didn't. They didn't have class jerseys in the 1950s and they weren't kicking it to blokes who were five metres in space by themselves. I would always just have a... A white jumper back then, yeah, though, didn't they? It was um, well, like, Gary Gary Lyon said, you've, "Yeah, you're right. You've got the biggest home and away game of the year, and you've put two teams out there in black jumpers. It is dumb. It makes us look amateurish. That's, That's the bottom colors. line. But How it happened to white be, shorts? Yeah, no, no, it shouldn't have happened. It should not have happened. They should have known this when they both came out in the paper. You go, oh no. Oh, maybe what? What no. about when Richmond and Essendon play each other? They've got clash jumpers, mate. I know now they do, but I'm yeah. talking about twenty but, years ago. I mean, we've ago. got you've you've designed the, the the thing was embarrassing. They've designed the jumpers especially yeah. for that occasion and haven't thought about. Oh, hang on, this might clash. I thought it was silly and it was annoying to watch. And the commentators got annoyed. The fans would Fair have been enough. annoyed. And Bucks had to ask his players point. if it was an excuse for their poor disposal. <laughs> I think side bottom went at thirty three percent. That's embarrassing. Foot. Grundy went at thirty three percent. Dacos went at thirty three percent. Uh, it was bad. I don't think it had anything to do with the jumpers, though. No, neither do I, <laughs> to be honest. Um, did Adelaide sub stupidity cost them the game? Nico can go first. I guess we'll never know, really. But again, definitely not one of so Adelaide's see, brightest so, moments. Yeah, Tom Lynch was supposed to come on as a sub. Yeah, um, he came on late because he had to go and get strapped up in the rooms, take painkillers, yeah, warmed up for twenty minutes, and then came on. And they had other that options. was amateurish. But I do find it funny though that. Like when this rule came in, everyone's like, "The coach is going to exploit it. The coach is going to exploit it. They're going to realize they have tired legs and then just get a guy with a fake you're injury." One of the people, the fake said injury. That. Then there's one. This one club literally plays it within the like the letter of the earnest, you know, spirit of the game. Like we won't use it unless, unless we don't have to. And then they get found out for it. Everyone's like, that's amateurish. Why aren't you exploiting the situation? Run, yeah. Why isn't he ready as soon as to go? The yeah. ball bounces. I found it strange that Lynch was the sub He in the should have been the sub in no, the first place. They, they told they the media during the week he was injured. Yeah. Well, he was injured. He was basically. injured. You could yeah. see yeah. he had no impact. He had to have I mean, they, they had, and had get the four key straps. forwards on the field anyway. So what if there was an injury to a midfielder, which ended up I think being the case, I, and you put on another tall I think forward. the reason why there was so much criticism was that Adelaide came out and backed it and said, no, everything went to plan. They literally used those words. No, it all went to plan. So I think you shoot yourself in the foot Responses like again. <laughs> yeah, it's right. We don't want them. We want to own it. Yep. Just own it. I think it was terrible. Um, last one of the four is the game too long, Nico. Short You've got answer. a short attention no. span. No, it's not. Okay. Gee, thanks. <laughs> it depends what we want. Again, that's a fan, but it, We want so a game of footy. No, we want to enjoy it. Do you want Thursday night football? Yes, I do. Then yes. the game's too long. Rubbish. You can't have both. You can't have both. What? The reason why we don't have Thursday night football is because the workloads, all the people in the in the because they want the six day break. They don't want six day breaks. That's the, the, the yeah, yeah. The, no, no. But they wouldn't need six day breaks. They didn't need six day breaks last year because the games were shorter. If you shorten the length of the game, you shorten the workload, and then they will get their strength and conditioning teams to sign off on shorter than six day breaks, and then we get Thursday night football every night of the week. Sure, yeah, but if you want Thursday night football, excuse. you can have a, have a shorter game. Your if, you don't, if you don't want it, then you can't have it. That's okay, yeah, that's, I, fair, I, I, that's I, I, fair enough for your take. But the thing is, we've had, like, the length of the game was fine. The only reason it's talked about now is because, well, okay, for example, on the weekend, they had like seven injuries for the, for the Brisbane game. Of course, it was going to be a long game. Okay, injuries are happening. It's not like a marathon. You go, marathon's too long. Let's shorten it because these athletes are getting no, tired. No, but you're not expected to run a marathon the week after. Yeah, but uh, you, your body's a conditioned. No, but they're not. That's game. the point. Come so they on. so with COVID, they've had shorter squads. They've have they have less soft caps. They have less strength and conditioning. Well, the less coaches, they have less assistant coaches. Injury. They yeah. then they have shorter lists because the AFL can't afford to pay all the players all anymore. Right. So everything is being condensed. The game goes back to full length off a of preseason that's been shortened as well. Last year, I they are not having no, the ability shortened. to. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. 
But I don't think the players have a leg to stand on because they don't they, because they they're broken. They no, just they ripped their hamstring no, off. That's why they, they can't have, stand on their legs. They have the longest off season in the world. In yeah. world sport, they have the longest off season, know, and then listen. come the crunch, they can't play a full 120-minute game. Because when it's you the look only at, sport at, in the world that's requiring you to weigh, uh, like, 89 oh. kilos and run 15 Ks a game. I know, it is the silliest sport in the world. If you look at the NBA, the you're playing four the games a week. Sport in the world. Clip that up. You, it is. In terms of being, like, a healthy athlete, there is a reason why the average lifespan of an AFL athlete there's is three years. There's soccer players playing three games a week, 90-minute matches, and yeah, there's it, basketball. Yeah, which that, is a zero-contact sport. There's, there's basketball players playing uh, four 20 games. 20-minute games. Four games a week. 24 minutes. in a season. 24 minutes per <laughs> Game that's a quarter a, of footy in a season, and they want to shorten this season. Yes, to because they're games. eighty in a season. Honest, divided by four, like twenty games. Fine, but the they, they don't right, need to shorten up, the break game. Break it up. Break it up. Break it up. <laughs> right, I'd like to see some data toward how how many soft tissue injuries happen towards the end of the game because of fatigue and things like this. I'd like to see. It's it. but it's not but towards the end of a particular game. It's okay, towards so the end of the workload. The workload. So okay. So it's the same thing. No, but you can. This is the semantics that we never get into because the media goes, "Oh, don't give me the semantics. I don't want to know it." But that's the the workload. You can't shorten a preseason. And add more games and then lengthen okay. the amount of work. So for the pro- from so six months so to for the product, the product last year was worse because of the length of the game, in my opinion. It was too short. Yeah. The product was worse. And you've got to look at the overall product as well. Mm. Maybe you could say we split the difference and it's 18-minute quarter instead of 20 and see what the product looked like. I like the product at the moment the way it is. Yeah. Obviously, if there's data to show that it's better for the athletes who can produce a better product in the long run if the game is shorter, I'm all for it. Mm. But at the moment, we're just speculating. So that's the hard part. I mean, we, we do we, have the data about injuries, though. So okay. that's the point. All right. Tweets and emails. Let's get into it. Dario Casale, who's been a very good contributor and he still thinks you're the cane corns of this show, and I agree with him. Uh, he goes, Melbourne, Melbourne Port or the Bulldogs? Who's the more exciting team to watch? Hard one. You, can, you, you, go, you go first out of those three. I mean, they're, they're all in great form at the moment, but I'd probably say the Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Yeah. Okay. We've got a very dynamic midfield. I said the Bulldogs are the most in, like exciting to watch because they produce the most interesting games because mm. of their game style. Port is aren't like exciting to watch because you just know they're going to dominate and win basically. Okay, I I choose Melbourne. I, I think Melbourne's better to watch at the moment. I love watching teams that that pressure tear the opposition. Apart Richmond, me yeah, too. tear apart Richmond. They they sure. put on pressure. They turned um, that they. They pressure the opposition into turnovers and they punch them on the counter-attacks. And, and one stat you can look at is they're plus 25 from scores from turnovers, which means they're pressuring teams into making mistakes and then going down the other end of scoring. And that is a Richmond-like game. And yeah. I like watching I was about that. to say, you just like watching <laughs> Melbourne because you like watching Richmond. And they're just Richmond 2.0. Oh, he's the most but wise even, man in the business. But, I like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm willing to say that like, I'm accepting that Melbourne played uh, a terrific game. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not worried about Richmond, by the way. But Melbourne, but Melbourne played the ugliest style out of the three teams. They don't teams. play exactly the same style as Richmond, by the way. But out of those I'm three saying. teams, they play the ugliest. Why? Because they're intercepting marks. No, because they're, they're a pressure, they're a contest the game and then spread team. Doggies are a run and gun from the, from the back half, no, and but, uh, and Porter winning in the contest and spread okay. from there. I enjoy I enjoy watching I enjoy watching the pressure and then watch, I mean, and watching all, the defenders wrong, like yeah. May and Lever intercept. By reading the play and pressuring teams to, to long kicks inside the 50. I yeah. like it. Reminds me of Richmond. It's brilliant. <laughs> His second part of the question, uh, or second part of the message was another question. I know a few weeks ago you were talking about Collingwood maybe needing a new voice. After yesterday, which is, uh, he sent this yesterday, so it was Sunday, is the issue Buckley has lost the players or is it a lack of cattle? I think personally it's a lack of cattle. I don't think we thought we had depth, which we don't obviously. All our fringe players of the last few years have come into the starting 22 to cover Trelaw, Phillips and Steve-O and clearly they aren't up to it. Um, E.G. Sire. Uh, not only that, Pendles is getting on, still has lost touch and to go is no dusty. So interested <laughs> to know what you guys think. Harsh words, but a lot of it's true, and I don't think yeah, Nathan I, Buckley uh, can continue for much longer. I think his days are numbered. Yeah, well, so has he lost the players? I don't know because they're. I don't know if he's completely lost the players, but I still believe there needs to be a new voice when success isn't there, and unless he completely changes his coaching style, you need a new voice because you're there for ten years and the success well, isn't it, coming. It's not a complete rebuild, like you but guys were saying with. Same I didn't. Voice s- I didn't say it was a complete rebuild, but he's um he's made a good point that they've needed these youngsters to come in and fill the the void that's been left. But they weren't expecting to to lose those players, and those younger players weren't primed enough, and they're not good enough to come and fill that void. Like, 
What's the point why rebuilds don't work, historically speaking? Especially if you go from being in the top four and competing in, in deep into funnels to having to rebuild or whatever other word you want to use is because they don't get to play. Like if you're a youngster, the best scenario for you is to get into a, a get drafted to a club that's you know just outside the eight, so you get games and you go from there. Whereas like Collingwood had to win; they had to win as many games as possible to finish the top four. You're not going to play a 21 year old because you have to give them games. And now they're in this situation yeah. where they lose top end talent. They fill it up yeah, with players that are rookies. Mate. Brisbane, Brisbane. I told you, Brisbane did and the they same did thing. The- they went back to the draft. Yeah, Essendon have gone back to the draft, and they, I know it's early days. The only one of those they that's they haven't got a better list Brisbane. than Collingwood. They haven't got a better list than Collingwood. Yeah. And then they still, their youngsters tailed them up. Yeah, in, so, one, in one game. But, like, you know, we've still got, what, 18 games of football left. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I agree uh, with a lot of, a good point. A lot of why Brisbane has, Brisbane's rebuild has gone right, though, too, is because of their recruits. So you can play as many kids as you want and yeah. get smashed by 10 yeah, goals every week. But, you know, they bring in Lockie Neal, Charlie Cameron. They're star players. And yeah. Obviously, it's going to make a difference. Hodge. Back when it happens. So. Another thing is why they might need an, a, another coach is because what happened with with Trelaw and the players didn't look good on the club. So how much um, power do they have to recruit new players to this club? How good are they yeah. going to sell this culture and say, "Hey, come, you're you know you're one of us. We'll back you up until you cost us too money. Then we'll push you out the door." I mean, yeah. So That's is the answer that Nathan Buckley's tenure has come to an end because it's just run its course, or is it because he's a bad coach? And would you pick him up if? You, well, yeah, well how long has he been coached it's hard, for now? What's over the, to ten years, right? 10 so, years. so, like we said, if Dom Sheed hadn't kicked that goal, it's a different story. We talk about Bucks, but the fact is, he didn't. Okay, he did. and he did kick the goal. Shoot. Sorry, he did kick the goal. Collingwood didn't win. Yeah, Collingwood didn't win. Okay, you know what I meant. Stop yeah. being a smart-ass Gordo. Yes, I make <laughs> mistakes. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but the fact is. He did kick the goal, and Bucks hasn't got a premiership, and he's been there for a long time. But he's not a bad coach. And they're on the decline now again. Yeah, they're on the decline again. Yeah, that's fine. They will recharge the batteries, but I think, yeah. So is everyone in in footy footy industry mature enough to go, yeah, well, we could probably use him in our coach as our coach at our football club? Yeah, I think he's definitely going to get opportunities elsewhere if he leaves. Um, He'll probably go back in the media for a bit like he did, and then he'll go coach somewhere else. Be interesting. I don't know. Yeah. All right, Nathan Weller at Sabo James. David King and Joey Montagna have labelled St Kilda as fraudulent and a team of individuals. Do you think that is an overreaction or a fair assessment? It's that's fair the first assessment. part of the thing of the question. Yeah, it's a fair assessment. Yeah, um, that's certainly how they're playing. It's like a team of individuals. It looks like it is. They've got a, like a handful of players that are having good games, like Jack Steele and whatnot, but. Yeah, there's something seriously wrong there. We noted it a couple of weeks ago about their game plan, and yeah, they're just getting found out way too easy. And mm. it'll you, be interesting this week. Yeah, I know. Well, like I said last week, and then you asked me those 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 three teams. I, I said St Kilda because of how much upside they can have. It's a mental game. It's not. And like you say, their game plan and everything like that. They're missing a lot of players. They, they're missing they Patton, Marshall, Ryder, Gresham, Hanbury, Frawley. They didn't have. Um, they had Marshall on the weekend, but they didn't have him previously. When they all come back, confidence is very contagious. We saw with Geelong. They were playing – you were saying there was the worst game style in the world. They were horrible. They can't get from one end to the other. They just spanked uh, West Coast there, 97, but like, I'm not 97 them to points. Beat, I'm not expecting them to beat Port Adelaide over there in Adelaide. That's right, but it was the effort that they, but there they put up, there are still star it? players there. It was the effort that they put up. But you don't up. need Feelings star players for effort. And that's that's kind of the point I feel like it's always funny when people say like injuries. Know, like if you get if you get serious. beaten, but if you get beaten and you have injuries, if they got beaten by three goals before they'd be like, well done, you had some players out, that's probably a good result if they showed effort, but instead they don't. And so you've got teams like Carlton and St Kilda, and this is where I always find it funny where the media goes, yeah, game style, we want fast flowing footy, you know, stuff defence. But you wouldn't, you can't pick Carlton or St Kilda week in, week out. You know they're good. You know they can score. You know they look pretty, pretty, pretty and flashy on the outside, but you can't trust them to defend. So they can't win games of football well, consistently. They've got the thing is the attitude is the number one issue, and I think that's something that can be changed, especially with Brett Ratton there. But the second thing is they're two and four. They play the Hawks and Suns next. Now you'd expect them to win both. To win both, but they lose one of them. I don't think there's finals for it. Well, how do you expect them to win both? They, I don't think the Hawks, Hawks and the Suns have both scored 100 then, points already. Because year. then they've got the cats and dogs in consecutive weeks. Yeah. So this two weeks coming up is it will reveal a lot about the character can. of that Can side. you come back from one and five to make finals? Yeah, I don't think. What do you they mean? Can. They're two and four. What do you? St Kilda. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Two and four. My two bad. And four. Yeah. They're two and I four. Got confused. Yeah. yeah. And then they, yeah, they've got the cats and dogs. So yeah, that big two weeks coming up. 
for the Saints. Uh, last question is from Chris Tresseter. Don't think there will be a lot of Geelong bagging this week. What do you guys think of the Cats now? Even when I was bagging Geelong, I didn't say they wouldn't make top four, wouldn't make top eight. I said they'll still get there because they play a lot of games at home. So and you're not... They're you, better than most teams in the competition, but so I just think... I in, quote just, Nick, horrible game style. I just, they can't yeah, move I the just footy. They're not a good football <laughs> side. They're I the just worst think, team I've seen at the Cattery <laughs> since the 70s. I think... That, I think when they play against the better teams in the competition, their game style won't stack up. So West Coast not a good team. I think this is where not away from to, home. This is, not. this is where fans of different clubs have to expect different. Like if you if you're if you're if you're a Geelong fan and your Geelong team plays like a good St Kilda team, you're not going to get the praise you want because that's not good enough for Geelong. Like Geelong is good, so with that comes harsh criticism. Does it? Does the weekend prove anything? Well, no, as we saw. Like, well, yeah, it proves if, that they can play good footy. Well, right. They can play good footy when the other team doesn't turn up. No, but they because that's where, where the coach comes out and says they were weak and disgusting and putrid and yeah, we deserve after, what we got after the second quarter. Yeah. Like that, that broke them. But the way they moved the footy, yeah. they still had to move the footy right. well. It doesn't, and that's pr- it doesn't that, prove us anything. If you watch though, the way, okay, okay, at the anything. start of the game, it, it, and now I think confidence or one win can change the team a lot. The way they were moving the ball after they started to get a couple in a row was brilliant. But yes. it was f- the confidence of the players. It wasn't because West Coast were uh, at the start were playing that bad. It was because the players had the confidence to move the footy and go for yeah. that 45 kick, switch the ball, and then that set up with, with – um, and Ro- Gary Rowland's going to benefit from this by not getting one of the key defenders. How good was his yeah. game? But you've got Jessica Cameron and Hawkins taking two defenders away, and then you've got Gary Rowan who's able to produce that. Duncan's they playing will, well. They, 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 are, they will have their good games this year. There's no d- doubt about that. Um, but I'd still have teams like the Bulldogs, the Dees, Port Adelaide, Richmond ahead, ahead in my power rankings right now. There's still better sides, and if they went up against each other next week, I'm still tipping against Geelong. Are we? Yeah. There you go. Strong from Nick, strong from Gordo. Any last words, fellas, before we log off for another week? Go so the Hawks. Go the Hawks. Go the, oh, sorry, boys. Oh, Wait, last okay. one thing. Let's sorry. Cut back in. <laughs> boys, before we go, there was one last – there was a second uh, part of, of uh, Nathan Weller's tweet, which I – um, I forgot to mention. Oh. I apologise for Kill that, Nath. He said, do you think that... Um, no, he said, is it time for Richmond and their fans to start panicking? That's a solid no. I mean, this is not a first time this has happened. They haven't, you know, um, cl- you know, worked out Richmond. Uh, you know, injuries haven't hurt them before. It is a long way to go. And until the Tigers... Like, your back end of the season is when they play their best football. Yeah. We know it's not panic stations yet. If anyone's riding off the Tigers because of that performance, they haven't watched enough footy over the last few years. And also, if anyone's yeah. suggesting that Melbourne's going to win the flag now because they knocked off the Premiers, they also haven't watched Richmond yeah. like back in season. Well, exactly. It's like they're, they're, yeah. you, say they're, you beat they're Richmond enough. in round six. Big whoop. They're good enough. Like, well done. Melbourne, you did it. They fixed up the areas yeah. they needed to fix up. Well done. Looking good. Yeah. But there's a long way to go. Yeah, you wouldn't be panicking. But I think there, well, look, there, would, there, there will be the a, no, no, no. But like, he when knows. was the last time? I'm not saying you wouldn't be panicking, but there is still a sense of worry that okay, there are a few teams that could which, challenge us. Which this year. you know, as a as a as a member of a dynasty yeah. dynasty team, when 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 Hawthorns, you know, was third, fourth, fifth, sixth, yeah. in the second and third years of the of the three P, were you worried? I mean. No, you're well, not you worried actually worry. You know, Correct. Um, you know that you know a more experienced and weathered team will come good come finals time. They'll play their best footy at the right time of year. But still, you still see that the, there are teams performing well. Oh and yeah. Like, oh yeah. yeah. And they, when was the last time a team that was first us. after round six won the flag? Oh, it was a long time because we had what last year who fit Port was first. The year before Geelong was first. Before the year that before Richmond, that was, Richmond was first, first. Lost in a prelim. The year before that, Adelaide was first. Lost in, granny. lost in a granny. It's 2016, the Doggies finished seventh yeah. and they won the, the flag. It's true. You guys I'm pretty sure it was like maybe the Baby Bombers in 2000. I, like, I can't recall the last time. I yeah. mean, we were we were first in 2013 for a majority of the season, probably around six. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, there you go. It takes it takes a very big effort to to lead Absolutely. from the start That's and go right. the whole year. It is a marathon, Absolutely. not a sprint. Yeah. But are you worried? Am I worried? No, I'm not worried. So you're not worried of the dogs? You're not worried of the days? No, power. I have faith because I've seen it before. Okay. But at the same everything's time, also going confident. The one to pay. come to an end. The one to be not. worried about would be Port, though, because they like everything is going right for Melbourne. No it's injuries. Yeah. Everything's going right That's for the doggies. No injuries. Yeah. Port, they've already had their injuries. The Tigers don't lose to the same team twice. 
and they did beat Melbourne. Uh, they did lose to Melbourne and Port already, so I don't think they'll lose to them again. Yeah. That's all I can say. Hey, it's on confident. that note, <laughs> let's wrap it up, boys, I reckon. Pack her up. Richard's going to win the flag again. That's Job done. Currently <laughs> done. Hey, good luck uh, for this weekend, unless you go for the doggies. I hope your team wins. Um, hashtag the gym session. Please get involved in the show. And another special thanks to Boomer. He was great. Absolutely loved our chat today. So thank you, everyone. Take care.